you for joining us as we elevate the Black entrepreneur experience by interviewing CEOs, thought leaders, innovative thinkers, and Black entrepreneurs across the globe. I'm Dr. Frances Richards. Our next guest is a business coach, trainer, author, and consultant that is transforming business owners, CEOs, and entrepreneurs from a gig mindset to a CEO growing and scaling to build a multi-million dollar enterprise. Welcome, Renzi Richardson. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Richards. I am so pleased to be here with you this evening. You know what? Before I get started, I would be remiss if I did not say happy Black History Month. Yes, it is. It is. This is the first, and you are kicking off the segment. And so I've given our audience such a brief bio. Why don't you fill in the gaps, share with our audience what you'd like them to know about you and your business? Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, Just about me, I guess I've been in the space. I started my business back in 2018, got cold feet, decided to go back into corporate. Then I realized that corporate was not where I belonged anymore. So I relaunched my business in 2012, and we have been going strong ever since then. And we specialize in helping women and minority-owned businesses to understand that mindset from having a gig on the side to understanding that mindset and moving through, as I call it, the desert to understand that mindset of you being a CEO and you're building an enterprise. And so that's our specialty. We offer the coaching, the training, and we also have a signature coaching program specifically for women and minority-owned businesses to help us close that gap between starting a business and then growing it to be a multi-million dollar enterprise. We're going to jump right in. You had talked about being in corporate, you did a day quit, and then you, you started your business and you went back into corporate. Talk about what was your mindset or why did you have to go back to corporate? Well, I went back into corporate, two things. I went back into corporate because I was asked to come back to develop a leadership development program. And they said, you know, it's best for you to be inside versus outside. But I also took that as an an opportunity to say, you know what, let me just go ahead and see if I can do corporate again. Because, you know, there's a level of comfort that comes with corporate where, you know, you know your job is going to be Monday through Friday. You know what your hours are going to be. Um, So there's some boundaries around, you know, being an employee that are so different than being an entrepreneur. And so when I went back into corporate, yes, it was great to, you know, to develop and design and roll out a leadership development program. But as I got a chance to connect with a lot of the people in the C-suite, the vice president level and all of the leadership tiers, I realized that I was not, I was no longer an employee. And at that time, I realized that I'm a much better entrepreneur than I would be anybody's employee because all of the things that I enjoyed about being an entrepreneur and owning my business, all of those things were relatively taken away because in a corporate, you know, there's a structure that you have to fit within uh, and those boundaries and being able to play that game 
in order for you to be successful. And I remember when I left, I left because it was just so tedious and it became such a a chore, a, a, a burden to, you know, to play all of those games. And the higher you go in corporate, the more intense the game becomes. Renzi, you have been basically focusing on women-owned businesses and minority-owned businesses. What do you find is that that gap, or is it multiple gaps that you're seeing? Why is it that it appears that minority businesses struggle to be to get to that multi-million-dollar level? Well, there's a it's a it's a lot of layers to it. It's a lot of layers to it. And one of the one of the things that I realized through working with a lot of women in minority owned businesses is that we 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 work hard. We've got the grit, we've got the grind and the hustle. We've got those things down pat. Okay? Those things we have. But what we don't know and what and this is where I feel like we've missed the, the boat or we didn't get the memo. <laughs> we didn't get the memo is that understanding how to grow and scale our business. A lot of times when you think about um, at least the companies that I've worked with over the years, when we think about growing our revenue, growing our business, it, it starts with us. We see ourselves as, as the head of the organization. And so we're putting out more effort, more time, more resources to get it done. Um, we don't think about, you know, how can I duplicate? How can I duplicate my effort? How can I grow my revenue? And not so much by me. It's all coming through me and through the effort that I, I, I give, but I'm duplicating, I'm multiplying and I'm duplicating. And I feel like that's the, that's the memo we missed along the way. And I've seen so many businesses and it, not just only black owned businesses, but all businesses, you start your business, you do all of the things, you put all of the check marks in place, you dot your, your I's and cross your T's. And then you get there, you know, year three, year four, you say, okay, now what? Because all of the effort that you're putting in is bringing you back to the same place. And so I realized this by working with my, my, um, my clients as well as just talking to a lot of uh, a lot of businesses over the years is that we don't know and I think that where the opportunity is and I know that this is where the opportunity is is to understand how to multiply and to duplicate our business that's how you grow that's how you scale and there's so many opportunities for us to do that but we have to make sure that the foundation is in, is in place in order for us to grow and scale And when you think of the foundation, what is the foundation of the business? Well, we started out, initially we looked at all of the functional things. There's a lot of programs out here that teaches you all the functional things that you need to know around accounting, having all of your IT systems and all of those things in place. But there are not that many programs that go into teaching you about the phase of what what stage your business is in. So we came up with, we identified um, five state, different stages of the business. And in each one of those stages, it identifies um, where your business is, but also 
what some of the challenges are and what are some of those needs in terms of positioning your business to scale. As an example, a lot of us fall into what we call the, the, the seeker. We're the pathfinder. We're, some of us are in that phase where we're doing all of the things that we need to, to do to put our business in order. And so after we put our business in order, you know, now we're positioning ourselves to grow. And at this stage, this is where I hear a lot of businesses say, now what? What's next for me? And so with the other stages, by going through our business assessment, it helps us to see exactly where you are. Are you in that stage of being the pathfinder? Are you in that stage of where you are the maestro? You're, you're experiencing some success, but because of your infrastructure or some things that are not in place, you don't have the right leaders in the right place. You know, it's like herding cats. But the ultimate goal is that you want to get to that stage, what we call stage five, which is gliding. At this stage, the CEO is the visionary. They're looking at um, how to take what they've done, the, the, all of the success that they have experienced, and they're looking at new ventures. They're looking at new avenues in terms of growing and expanding the business. But there are other four stages that build upon this. This is where we do a lot of the work to help you to identify where you are and help you close those gaps and position you to start that growth path to take you to the next level. Is raising capital or having access to capital the biggest challenge for diverse businesses? It is. It is a, um, it is a problem. And, 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 you know, that has been around for quite a long time. But we, we can't say that it's the only problem. I, I, my answer to, you know, capital is look at, bringing customers sales will help you close the gap when you think about customer when you think about revenue and and earning and having that capital having customers or going out there and doing the sales to bring in more customers that's one of the ways that you can close the gap other ways that you can close the gap when we talk about capital is look at you know can you take what it is that you do and can you duplicate that can you multiply that? As an example, if you may be a hair salon and over the years you've learned a certain technique or you've learned that certain um, um, processes or shampoos and are, are now is something that you can duplicate or you can multiply by branding your own product and selling it. That's another way in terms of how we raise capital. So there's always a way that how we can close that gap. But yes, is capital a problem? Yes, if we're going to a lot of these commercial banks looking for loans or if we're going to, you know, some of these other companies that are out here like funders who will give you the loan, but then they hamstring you because the interest rate is too high. So yes, so capital will always be a, an issue, but it's ways in terms of how we think about closing that gap when we think about capital and, and creating that cash flow. There's a lot of things that we can do to create cash flow um, in spite of capital. There's a lot of things that we can do. And that's what I mean when I say multiply and duplicate. How did you raise the capital for your business? 
most and just like most companies came along, you know, we do what we call bootstrapping. You know, most minorities, they put money in their company based on you investing in your company, using your savings, your 401k. And so in the early years, that's exactly what I did. But I was fortunate to um, have an opportunity to work uh, or be a sub to a large federal contract. So that was a way in terms of how I um, funded my business then. And it still is a way in terms of how I I fund my business now and having that capital uh, or cash flow that I need to continue to manage the daily operations, but look at marketing and expanding. And that, I guess you said, the opportunities that I have now has allowed me to infuse the business with um, cash for me to be able to roll out some additional programs that we're rolling out now. What problem exists in the world today that you would like to solve? I, I am so... I'm really, really um, just really focused on women and minority-owned businesses having access to opportunities, whether those opportunities are in the private sector or whether they're in the federal sector. Um, I'm really concerned about that and looking at what those barriers are. And I think if there was anything that I could do to remove those barriers, I would move them tomorrow because the reason is, is that when when we are are i guess you say when we're not able to thrive in our business it has a direct impact on our communities and one of the major impacts that it has on our community is job creation most sidewalk and small businesses create jobs they become part of that whole economic development system in our community and so when we're not creating jobs, you know, how does that impact, you know, the sidewalk businesses, the barbershops? Um, how does it impact the churches? How does it impact, impact uh, youth programs in the community? How does it impact the churches? How does it impact that whole community ecosystem? And the other side of that is when we create jobs, I believe it gives us a bigger seat at the table because it's jobs that drives our economy. It's jobs that contribute to the gross national product. It's jobs that really influence policies, a lot of institutional policies that have a direct impact on women and minority-owned businesses. Advice you wish you had. Mm. <laughs> Where do I start? I, yeah. um, <laughs> I think in hindsight, and this is one of the things I really appreciate about where I am now, the lessons that I've learned. And even though some of the lessons were tough lessons to learn, if I would not go back and change anything, because I think one of the most valuable experiences that I've had over the years are you know, taking away those nuggets that I've learned um, from from those mistakes that I made, the times that I fell down, had to get back up. You know, those are some really, really valuable lessons that I've learned. And I think it's part of who I am and why I'm so passionate about helping women and minority-owned businesses. I mean, I help everybody. But I think there are some people out there that need a little bit more help. And that's why I really, really... Um, 
I guess you say, just focus my, my time, effort, and energy on helping women and minority-owned businesses. Renzi, you talked about the lessons learned, some nuggets falling down. Mm-hmm. Give us a backstory. Mm-hmm. One of the most impactful stories about you falling down and what valuable lesson was in that? Okay, well, I'll go back and share the story when I went back in corporate. You know, I went back in corporate to develop and design a leadership development program. But part of that program being successful is that I had to, um, you know, look at um, developing a team, a, a team of, I guess you say, influential people in the organization. And these people were at the VP level. They were regional VPs. And so I was able to influence them to be a part of this project or this initiative that I was I was building. Well, it, the project was very successful. My team was, um, they were very excited about the project. The news was just spreading around the leadership program. But while, you know, my, I guess you say my impact was outside of the department that I was in, inside of the department, a lot of my peers did not like all of the attention that I was getting. So because of that experience, I um, experienced what I did not really, you know, put a finger on, but I experienced a lot of bullying. I experienced a lot of anxiety. I, I experienced a lot of stress, which it landed me in the emergency room. And because of that experience, you know, I, you know, I was perplexed about I'm doing something really, really successful. I don't understand why the, you know, the, the, all of the pushback and all of the, you know, the, some people putting up obstacles, the sabotage, all of that stuff. And so I ended up in the hospital, uh, in the emergency room and had to do a follow-up, had to do a follow-up appointment. The lady that was supposed to check me out, the doctor, she was not there. There was another doctor that um, that filled in for her. This man was from Africa, and he was doing he was doing the follow up check and stuff. He did all of my vitals and stuff. And he said, "Well, I don't understand." He said, "You're very healthy." He said, "You've got great muscle tone." Um, he said, "You're in great health." He said, "I don't understand why you're here." So you know, short story. I told him you know what happened and whatnot. But this is the most profound thing that happened to me. He just told me, he said, you don't need medicine. He said, you just need the courage to fly. And he said, once you decide that you're going to spread your wings, he said, everything that you want, you will receive. And he said, and what you're trying to get is not where you think you belong. And that was one of the most profound things that uh, I, and it did. It just, it just. It was like a light just turned on. And in that moment, that too solidified that I knew that I was a much better entrepreneur and that was my purpose, that was my path versus, you know, being an employee trying to make it fit in a place that I had outgrown. And that was the other thing is that sometimes we outgrow our place, but we don't realize that. But what we're trying to do is see if we can find more room in that box, okay? And I was trying to see if I could find more room in the box, even though it wasn't a good fit. But I was saying, I can make this work. I can make this work. It wasn't intended to work. 
And that was what I found out by going through that whole experience. And would I say, would I do anything differently? And I say not because I would not have met the gentleman, the doctor from Africa who really, um, it was just something, it was just, it was something that was just, um, I don't know. It was, it was very spiritual for me. And it was, it was something that was, it was just so calm, him talking to me and helping me to see where I am, where I needed to go, the path that I needed to take. But also just stepping into it, you know, having the faith and to step into my future, not trying to make something fit from my past. Did you ever follow up and try to find the doctor and tell him about those amazing words and how it set you on a different trajectory of your life? As a matter of fact, I did. I went back. Well, this is a couple of months later. I went to the hospital where I ended up because, and, and I was so memorable. And I'll tell you why, because every time I was on, on the gunny, on the, on the bed, and when the doctor was saying, well, you know, her blood pressure is this, but I would just get so upset because I know that I was doing everything that I could do to be healthy. And so they said, whatever you do, don't ask her, don't ask her about her health. Don't ask her about her weight. Don't ask her anything about her blood pressure. So that was something that was that whole experience. So I went back to the emergency room to talk to um, the doctor, one of the doctors who treated me. And so I was just saying, well, how do I find you know, this other gentleman that was in the outpatient clinic. And he said, well, you know, he told me to go back there. But what happened is that they were on rotations. I did not know, you know, at the time that he was rotating into that assignment and then rotating out. But he was one of the most, that was one of the most profound experiences that I, that I had, um, I don't know. I would just say that I had in, in addition to the birth of my children, that was one of the most memorable experiences that I had. And sometimes I say nothing happens by accident. I think everything that happens is by divine order. And I just felt that at that time, you know, he was someone that I needed to, I needed to be in that place with him at that time. And so you never got a chance to connect back with him. No, I did not. But, you know, the, 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 I guess you say the least thing that I could do is set a blessing. It's sent a blessing to him for what he, you know, that he, in terms of helping me to find um, where I needed to be and to help me to move in that direction. Renzi, fill in the blank. Thank you, pandemic, because there's a silver lining that for me, there's a, I say that question again. I want to make sure I respond correctly. Right. So you're thanking the the pandemic because what did the, you know how um, a lot of people say the negative of the pandemic we want you to talk about the positive. We want to have an attitude of gratitude. So you're saying thank you, pandemic. Thank you, pandemic, because if it had not been for the pandemic, I would not have written two books 
if it had not been for the pandemic, I would not have found um, this program, this 12-step signature coaching program that I created because of all of the experiences that I that I was able to um, to observe and be a part of and coach my clients through you know, doing the pandemic. So I'm very, very thankful for the pandemic. And I'm so thankful for the pandemic because it, it caused me to stand still. It caused me to step into the silence and to get clarity about, you know, and reconnect with the things that, that matters most to me. And so doing the 12 step signature coaching program it embodies all of the things that I've learned from my clients, learned from um, working with other businesses, talking to other businesses, and just putting, hopefully putting a solution together that is going to help, you know, my clients or people who want to be a part of the program to get to that next level. So I'm very thankful for the pandemic. Talk about the two books you wrote and how can we get those books? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the first book I wrote was Big Joe, The Rainmaker and Nephew Leech. Now that book is, it's a, it's a very thought provoking book, but it's, it's a, it's a story about a business that that's kind of wrapped in, into, I guess you say, telling a story of all of these different characters so Big Joe is the CEO and, you know, his ego got in, in the way. His golden goose and the, and the man who would bring all of the contract opportunities in because of his relationship, that was um, the Rainmaker. And the Rainmaker was someone that Big Joe took advantage of. And then there's Nephew Leach. And Nephew Leach was someone who wanted to take and he took a lot from the organization but did not want to give back to the organization. So these three characters create this perfect storm in terms of how they interact with each other, but also, you know, in how they came together to help Big Joe, the CEO, to, I guess you say, to redeem himself and to recover his business and to save his business. So there's a lot of lessons learned, and the reader get a chance to, I guess you say be a part of the story because there are different places in the book where you get to write your opinion or to do a reflection about your company if you're a business owner. So that's what that was the first book that I read um, that I wrote. And it's, it's like a it's a parable. And then the second book that I wrote, um, Go Big, A Boss Attitude for Success. And here again, it's taking all of the lessons that I've learned. Um, from my clients and just understanding some of the struggles of um, women and minority-owned businesses and also giving them a success formula to say, here's some things that um, are are guiding, uh, that you can consider to be guiding lights in terms of how to put your company together, some of the things to evaluate in your company. And so when I wrote that book, I was in a very good place to, I was so thankful for the opportunity to work with my clients and to see how they were able to take this time to find the silver lining in, you know, what we're dealing with, with COVID and everything. They were able to find, you know, the silver lining or to pivot their company, but to tap into their resilience. They were able to, and I, I was a witness to that. 
And so the acronym BOSS stands for Built on Spiritual Strength. And so that's where that acronym came from is just by being a witness to my clients and other business people that I know to see their resilience and to see how they pivot their company in a time where the market was so unstable and still is. And the books can be purchased either on my website or you can purchase my books on on Amazon.com. If you um, put my name in to do a search, Renzi Richardson, the book titles that I've written will come up. Thank you for that, Renzi. And talk about your 12-step coaching program. Um, The 12-step signature coaching program uh, it, like I said, it is, it's designed for business owners. If you've been in business um, three, four years or more, this program is designed for you. It starts out where we do a health assessment, a business health assessment. From there, a coach will meet with you and will tell you the results of your business health assessment. But it will also tell you which phase or which stage your business is in of the five. Um, once you complete the assessment, we also do a CEO assessment because a lot of times we can focus on the organization, the people, the systems, processes, but sometimes what's missing out of that equation is the CEO. We do an assessment of the CEO so you can see what your strengths are, but also where you may have limitations because if you understand what your limitations are, you can mitigate that by making sure you have the right people around you to help you to fill in those areas where you may be limited. And through the 12-step signature coaching um, program, it is a company with a 60-page workbook. And in this workbook, it takes you through a series of exercises um, to help you to reconnect with your why, for you to identify what some of those obstacles are. But you'll walk away with a blueprint a a blueprint to say for your company, what works best for you to take your company to the next level. Um, Part of the program, you will receive coaching around sales, marketing, um, finance, and also product development. Those are some of the three key areas that we focus. And by focusing on those three areas, we are helping you to identify ways in terms of how you can multiply in, um, in, in, Duplicate your business is what we are focusing on. There's also follow-up coaching as well. And with that follow-up coaching, we help you to stay in that mindset of growth because you're moving from something that you know and you're moving to something that is new. And so part of that is not letting fear um, to, you know, to stand in the way of you doing the things and, and being and having that conviction and that commitment to shift from what you know and what you know is not working to shift into an opportunity to grow and scale your business. So the program is a peer-to-peer coaching program. So you get to hear and be a part of a group coaching program, but you also get to hear what some of their struggles are. You also get to share what some of your solutions are. And we also bring in successful women and minority-owned companies, for them to share their story with you, too. And talk about, um, with your 12-step signature program, 
What is one of the stories that really stand out for one of your clients? And you don't have to give their name, just mm -hmm. the scenario. One of my clients, uh, when I first met her, um, she had a gig. Basically, that's what she had. She had a gig. And when I met her and she was referred to me, one of the, you know, we started out by doing an assessment of her business, me and having an understanding exactly what her goals are. And she wanted to grow her business. And so when I first met her, her income was, I guess you say that in which she needed to cover her expenses. But now she is bi-coastal. She has an office in California and she has an office here in Atlanta. Uh, her uh, her revenue for this year is on target where she's going to double her revenue from last year. So she's going to be close to a million dollars, if not exceed that million dollars. And I've been working with her for two years. That is a great um, success story. So someone's listening and they're like, I definitely need to connect with Renzi. What is the best way? For them to connect or to get your um, 12 step signature program? To connect with me, my number is 470 655 1676, or you can email me at Coach Re, and that's Coach Re, R E, at mindyourbusinessnow.com. Renzi, give us the information that you gave the number before how they could reach you. The number is 470-655-1676. Okay. I didn't know if it, um, if the number went through because someone came through on my phone and mm. I wanted to make sure we captured that. Yes, yes. 470-655-1676. And if they want my 1-800 number, the 1-800 number is um, 800-789-6186. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. What is your limitation? My limitations? Oh, I, I think, you know, Time And when I say that is there's not enough time to do the things, all of the things that I want to do. So the way that I manage that is putting priorities in buckets. You know, I usually put priorities or separate things that I want to do into buckets. Like one of the things that's on my bucket list is to travel to Panama, to Bocata, um, Bocchetti. Panama in the next, you know, in the next six to eight months. But that is, uh, that's in one of my buckets, but it's not in the first bucket. Right now, the things that are in the, the first bucket is, you know, the, the launching of the 12-step signature coaching program, 
um, managing and working with my clients, but also with my new employees that are coming on board, making sure that they're set up for success. So time is my limitation. And what is your zone of genius? I think I'm intuitive. One of the, and I think you, as a coach, one of the things that I've been very successful at, at, you know, working with my clients is understanding and listening to them, listening, listening to them and understanding, you know, what they're, what they aspire to do or what they aspire to be and being able to help them to create that vision where they can see themselves where they want to be. Two things that I'm really excited about with two clients that I am coaching with, uh, with one of the contracts I have of the five um, people that I'm coaching on that contract, two of them are up for promotion one has been promoted already, and the second one has been notified that they are um, they will be promoted in the next cycle. So, in helping them to see themselves and prepare to step into that that larger role, uh, that's been so exciting. It's been so exciting to to be there to support them. And I think being intuitive is one of the strengths that I have. What is the best decision you've made as a leader? I think understanding, you know, my team, understanding what their strengths are as well as what their limitations are and being able to help them not to feel limited in some way, because sometimes when employees are not able to do everything and do all things, uh, it could be seen as a limitation or you're not able to be a a team player. And so what I've been able to do with my with my team is to look at their assets, to look at their strengths and look at where how to help them to come together as a team and how to, to help them to accept how to complement each other. And so as a leader, you want a team that's going in the same direction. And by being able to play to their strengths, it helps me to support them by, you know, by us all going in that same direction. So just making sure that they feel good about, you know, that they can't do it all. And I don't want them to do it all. But in the society that we live in now, you know, people who may not be able to do all things at all, you know, at once, it may seem like it's a, lim- a limitation. So I try to work in a way where my, my employees feel um, that they have some autonomy of that in terms of how they work and in giving ideas and being innovative in how we come together, how we work and some of the programs that we create. Renzi, how do you build a team? How do you find workers in this um, season that we're in with the great resignation? And as a diverse business, you're competing with, you know, the Googles and the Teslas that, that have so many more 
um, benefits. So what is your secret sauce around that? Well, yes, the Teslas, the Googles, a lot of the Fortune 500, 100 companies. Yeah, they have a lot of this. You know, I guess you say they have a lot of benefits and a lot of things that small businesses don't offer or may not be able to offer. But what we do have is that I think one of the things that COVID has taught people is that the way I work, how I work and the amount of time that I put in work is that really what I want? And so I think what COVID has done, it has caused us to pause, to think, to reflect, and to think about, is this the only way that I can make a living? And you've, I've found a lot of people are really moving towards small businesses as well as nonprofits because they're looking for work that is meaningful. They're looking for work that allows them flexibility. They're looking for work that allows them to contribute. It, it, they're looking for work where they feel like they can make a difference. And so because of those, I guess you say some of the things that has shifted over the last couple of years, um, you know, it has benefited me to be able to work with people that are not necessarily in my office, okay? Right now, because of COVID, and we had such a bad exposure in the um, complex where my office was located, we are all working from home. So I have um, employees that are located in North Carolina. I have employees that are located here in Atlanta. I have some employees that are located uh, overseas. I have one employee in Saudi, and I have another employee that's located in the Philippines. But what we're able to do is to use technology to say how we come together and, and work. And so we've been able to use that and, and to create like a lot of the programs and things that we're doing now, we're able to create that, that um, content, but also to just use this as an opportunity to find that balance between getting the work done, but also being available to our families as well. Talk about mental health and managing your well, I'll tell you, one of the challenges about, I guess you say, working remotely and working from home is that if you're not careful, it, it could be, you may feel somewhat isolated because we're creatures. We're, we're creatures of, you know, human contact. That's what, that's how most of us are wired is to be able to interact and relate to each other. But in this right now, what's more important and to me, and what is a priority is safety, making sure that my team is safe, that I am not doing anything to put them in harm's way. And so some of the things that we've been able to do through, and this is something I teach all of my leaders to do, is even though we may be in a virtual environment, how do you create that human interaction um, in a virtual environment? Like if you're using Zoom or if you're using any other technology, technology platform instead of starting your meeting out just talking about the agenda use this time to find out something that you did not know about a co-worker and there's other things that you can do to make um, technology interactive and um, and fun um, one of the things that 
uh, one of my my employees they like to do is they like to play Jeopardy. <laughs> so you can find the music for Jeopardy. You got an MC who asks the question. You know they have to respond with you know what is. So there are things that you can do to make it fun. Sometimes just starting your meeting with music. You know one of the I love salsa music. So looking at different ways in terms of how you can make it fun, but you still, you know, you have certain priorities that you have to make sure that you respond to, get back to the customers. So it's a combination of both in terms of thinking about how to be engaging using technology, but also just understanding that, you know, some of the challenges that we face as being, you know, remote, having a remote team. So we're going to use your strategy about human interaction and Mm -hmm. using technology. What is something that fun facts that we don't know about you, Renzi, that we should know? Okay. Um, When I was in high school, I played, I started playing basketball in, I was in the seventh grade. I played basketball through high school and college and I coached basketball. Um, I love to salsa dance. I was also a member of the Nancy Zup dance troupe. Uh, I performed with her company. And what else? Oh, and I love to, when time permits, I love to fish off of the bank of a river or a stream or a little creek. That's something I like to do as well. Thank you for that. And we have um, very similar um, passions. I love, love, love to dance. And one of my Mm -hmm. um, dream lists, I call mine a dream list instead of a bucket list, Mm -hmm. is um, I want to go to Argentina and learn Argentina tango. Oh, my gosh. And so, and my other dream is I I want to be as wealthy as Beyonce and Jay-Z so I can have a private dance teacher, salsa dance teacher, and we dance for three to four hours a day. Oh my goodness. Yes. You, you speak in my language. <laughs> no, when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. Talk I, to a younger, no, 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 go on. Yeah, I, I love I, I love Latin music. I love a lot of the Latin culture. I love the food. Um, and the thing about it is that there's Cuba. There's such a, a great mixture of African dance uh, with Cuban dance that, that creates this whole genre of dance that you see here. But what I love most is I love Cuban salsa because I think that is more authentic there's some of the other versions that, that, you know, that people dance, but I love Cuban salsa. I, yeah, I love all of it. Um, so yeah, you are absolutely speaking my language. Talk to a younger you. What advice would you give to a younger you? say despite the fact that you didn't have 
everything you wanted. You had what you needed. And it was enough to take you wherever you wanted to go. That would be my youngest, that would be my advice to myself, you know, as, as a youngster, is that I didn't have, you didn't have everything you needed, but you, you didn't have everything you wanted, but you had everything you needed, and it was enough to take you wherever you want to go. What do you need right now that you don't have to move the needle? Hmm. You know, I, I really can't think of, I wish I'll, I'll put it this way. One of my dreams of my vision for this year is to have, or to be able to host four cohorts for the 12 step signature coaching program. That's my goal. Um, we have one group that's starting in February and we're working on the second group. So if there's anything that I don't have right now is that, you know, having the last two sessions in this year, having those two cohorts, you know, fill. But that's the goal for this year is to fill, do four cohorts this year, but also is to be able to give scholarships, uh, either a partial or full scholarships to some some companies that have the have the potential, you see what they have, but they may not have the financial wherewithal to be able to attend the um, the signature signature coaching program. So, wanting to be able to give partial or full scholarship to at least four companies. And when are the different cohorts? Um, the first one, it, the first one starts is in February and it goes, it's February the 19th and it goes through March the 26th. The next one starts April the 9th and it goes through, that one goes through, I think it's May, I think it's May 15th is the next, it goes through May 15th and then we take a break. And then we come back in the end of um, June. We come back, um, July, I'm sorry, July the 1st. We come back July the 1st. And we finish that cohort in the, at, the end of, um, at the end of August. I think it's, I'm sorry, it's Saturday uh, the 3rd, September the 3rd. And we may have to change that date. Okay. Thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. And thank you. This has been a very, very thought provoking <laughs> conversation. It's been very thought provoking. And thank you so much. I really appreciate having this conversation with you. And um, it's just been, it's been, you took me back to some times that I have not even I've, I've missed over the years because you're moving forward you, you're looking forward but um taking me back to my childhood <laughs> that, that was uh that was that was a good experience thank you for that thank you're you. welcome you know what I want you to have a monologue mm -hmm. and I want you to name the person living or not 
This person has inspired you so much. Name the person and what are you saying to that person? Um, my grandmother, uh, Eloise, Eloise Wheeler, uh, she, was, uh, she was a woman before her time. And she was my rock and as well as my sister's. And she, I, I know for a fact that I am who I am because of her. You know, she, um, she just taught us to be strong women. Uh, she taught us to be able to be self-sufficient within ourselves, to be able to take care of ourselves with or without anyone else, to be able to stand on our own two feet and to be able to take care of ourselves. And so uh, she's always with me, especially, you know, when there are times where I feel like I've hit a wall or I just can't see my path forward. Um, there has been times that I know that her spirit is just is there with me. And that has been my comfort over the years. Even now, you know, I'm in my 60s. But even now, you know, there's been times where I, I know that she's been present and she's been there, you know, been there for me. And it's not just me, but it's also my, my sisters, too. Um, sometimes when we're talking and we're sharing our experiences, uh, her presence is there. Her presence is known. But she because that's when, you know, when we were growing up, she was our protector. She was such a protector of her girls. And so, yeah, but she is, she was just phenomenal. Let's talk about legacy. When it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered um, as a woman, sometimes with a soft voice, but was able to use it to advocate for women and minorities to be able to make a difference in our communities. And I use my voice to help minority businesses, women and minority owned businesses to make a difference. That's what I want to be known for is, you know, what I was able to do to help open doors for women and minority-owned businesses. Think of, um, it's Black History Month, and think of someone in our community who is an icon. And this person, you would be similar to. So if they had to say, you are similar to someone in our history, who would it be for you? For me, it I would say Dr. Martin Luther King. Was talking about it was he was talking about um um wealth. He was talking about access to opportunities. And there was a quote where and his response was he, he was saying, he said, we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, but we need to have boots 
to wear. And that was something that was so profound and stuck with me over the years is that he said, yes, we could pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we are pulling ourselves up. But he said, but we have to wear the boots. We have to have the boots in order to do that. And so his point that he was making is that you're telling us to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, but where are the boots? We don't have the boots to do it. Very profound. Mm-hmm. Rindy, yes. if you conducted this interview, what is the one question you would have asked yourself? I want you to ask the question and answer. Um, the one question, I'm trying to think, what did you not ask? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I did not pay her to say that. <laughs> no, you didn't. I think um, I would say, you know, tell me one realistic thing that business owners should expect in growing their business and growing and scaling their business. And so my answer to that question would be, is that when you're growing and scaling your business, you got to have a, you have to be focused. A lot of times uh, we want to try to do multiple things all at once or cast a wide net to see how much we can pull in. But you have to think about, I look at it and I liken it to starting a fire. You know, we can start a fire if we, you know, if you watch how people start a fire that they hold the the, the little bush or the, the stuff in their hand and they create a spark and from that they blow and it brings, you know, and you see the smoke and then you see the flame and now you have a fire. But if you look at how they cup their hands together to create that fire and to use that all of the dry stuff that they use to create the fire, their their hands are cupped closely together, okay? They're not spread apart. So when we're trying to create momentum and build that fire, you know, we have to look at how we have to stay focused. It's like a formula. So the more focused we are, the more, the higher your probability is that you're going to accomplish your goal. But if your focus is that, you know, you're, you're trying to cast a wide net and use that as your method of growing and scaling your business, then it's going to take you a lot longer to do it that way. So the one thing that I would tell business owners is that, you know, growing and scaling your business it requires you to focus and to stick to it. Keep your eye on the prize. That was great. We've come to the part of our interview. It's called the rapid round of fun. And I'm going to ask you a series of questions and I want you to give me very quick answers. Are you ready for the rapid round of fun? I, I, I guess so. Yes, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite color? Red. Your favorite holiday? Christmas. Your ideal car? Porsche. 
your first job? A painter. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I was a dishwasher. Dishwasher. <laughs> the last movie you saw. Always. The Godfather. I watch it over and over again. I love that movie. You relax doing what? Hiking. Your favorite singer or rapper? Uh, Ella Fitzgerald. Your favorite dance song? Tighten up. <laughs> what food you eat every week no matter what? Potatoes. Your favorite month? September. Work out or hit the couch? Uh, couch right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold outside. <laughs> Renzi Richardson, thank you so much for joining us on Black Entrepreneur Experience Podcast. Before we let you go, why don't you share with our audience the best way for them to connect with you and to do business with you, and feel free to leave all your social media handles. Okay. Uh, the best way to reach out to me uh, is by phone. That's the easiest number to remember, 470-655-1676. Or you can dial me by using the 1-800 number. And the 1-800 number is 800 789 6186. And the best social media to reach me is on it's LinkedIn. So if you go to LinkedIn.com backslash Renzi R, and that's R E N Z I E R, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's one of my, my best or most popular uh, platforms to reach me. Thank you, Renzi. That's a wrap. Well, thank you so much. This has been such an awesome experience, and I thank you so much for your time this evening. I feel like you have taken me on a journey. I know. I really enjoyed it. It was great, and we appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.